What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And uh, we're going to be talking 4X style games today, later on in the show. Which is a weird genre for two players, because there's not usually a lot that even support it, much less are any good. So uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we found that out the hard way. We have, so we'll talk about those uh, when we get a little bit later on the show. Of course, we're going to start the show with uh, some of the newer games that we've been playing lately. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you search for at Tabletop for Two, uh, you can find all of our accounts there. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music, or really any podcatcher of your choosing. So... Got a bunch of new games in. Um, Shocker! I was I was weak and took advantage of the flash sales. No, that... let let me preface this. <laughs> I'm sitting at work, deep in thought in a project. The phone rings and I look and I see Brad's phone number. Like what, dear? So cool stuff's having a flash sale. Everything's ten percent off. I said you have my PayPal account information. Just go ahead and order whatever you want. I shouldn't have told him to order whatever he wanted. Yeah. Eight new games later, In fairness, here we are. I held off on Empire's Age of Discovery, which they had on sale for like $67. So, oh, good could have been worse. Could have been worse, but we we were good. We also had a recent math trade come in, so lots of new games that we've been playing lately. Yes. Um, the first one was one that... I we, was very excited about, and I went back on Kickstarter, but Papa said no. Yes, that would be a Swingin' Jive Cat Voodoo Lounge from uh, Daily Magic, who also did the does all the Valeria games as well. So. Oh, good. I love so those. They've been, uh, so they've been having pretty good success so far. Um, this is, what would you say? This is like an area control game of sorts? Yeah. I guess, where you're, um, you are patrons at a Swingin' Voodoo Lounge, and you're trying to... Uh, Cozy up to all of the lounge lizards that are in this voodoo lounge by buying drinks for them. And there's four different lounges. Yes, and there's a variety of different lounge lizards, um, ranging from regular lounge lizards to hipsters to jive cats. And they're the ones you really want to cozy up to. Um, basically, on your turn, you're going to have a hand of four cards. You're going to play these cards. Uh, the cards all have a number on them. But they also have an effect that you can play them right, for. Right, you can use them for either or. The numbers, um, of course, on all the lounge patrons on the board have a number that ranges from 2 to 10 next to them as well. So what you're trying to do is play cards that match the numbers of these patrons to place one of your... Uh, colored chips on top of them to make to bring them into your click basically now you can also take multiple cards and add and subtract the numbers on them to get to the number that you want so that's that's a nice little feature and you have to build out in a line from existing chips that you have you place a couple down at the beginning of the game and then you can build from there um and then like em said the the cards also have one of five different abilities on them uh, that you can play the card for instead. So you have the, what is it, the zombie cards that give you, that you put that card in front of you and then you can use that number mm-hmm. once per turn. There's the voodoo cards. Uh, which lets you dispel, or lets you hex your opponent, mm-hmm. does it not? Um, by lo- not letting them play cards of a certain number. Unless they pay you. Right. Um, that's uh, You also use cards to cozy up to the jive cats as well. If you're next to a jive cat, you can basically ditch two of your other friends to hang out with the jive cat and that get you points. There's also cards um, that if you play them out, uh, whatever numbers on the card, you can add or subtract that card freely mm-hmm. uh, to the cards in your hand. 
Yeah. That way you're not using multiple out of your hand. It gives you a little more flexibility that way. Yeah, and and, and like I said, the, the primary way to earn points is by cozying up to the hipsters, which are worth a point apiece, and the jive cats, which could be worth two or three. Um, also down the side of the board, uh, there are two sets of cards that you can purchase, trend, basically. Trend cards. Trend cards and skull cards. Skull cards, you just have to play... A certain number, you have to make friends with a certain number and a certain lounge that gets you skulls. These are uh, currency that you need to perform certain special abilities mm-hmm. during the game. Uh, the trend cards are like um, formations that you're trying to get in mm-hmm. the lounge. It might be certain numbers that you have to cover, it might be cer- a certain lounge you have to specialize in. I had the one, it was like, it was the, I called it the James Bond card mm-hmm. because I had to get the. The spy yeah, characters the James on the board, looking, yeah, 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 characters, and you get when you get those cards, um, you'll get a certain number of points as well. Plus, those trend cards have a special ability that, as long as you are still maintaining the trend, mm-hmm. um, you can use the ability once per turn, and any cards that you're maintaining the trend for at the end of the game are worth bonus points as well. So you keep going until someone hits 15 points, um, then everyone gets a chance to take one last How turn. How have you not talked about the point trackers? Oh, well, that, that, well, that's that's a whole big thing to unpack with this game, because the components in the game are really unique. Um, first of all, the art on the board is very very like very like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't even know. Like very um, ah, the word is keeping me, like very uh, like not quiche, but I'm, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's very 60s Kitschy. There you go. That's exactly the Kitsch word I was looking for. is a food. Quiche is a food. Weirdo. It's a crappy pizza. <laughs> Kitschy works. Kitschy. You're such yeah. a weirdo. No, it, it's it's basically it, it's the art matches <laughs> the, the art aesthetic that the game is going for. Shut up. Leave you alone. <laughs> Leave you alone. Um, the uh, see so th- all this no junk food and working out. You got food on the brain. I must That's have. Yeah. So anyway, the art is very kitschy and matches the theme of the game very well. Um, as Emma alluded to, all the players have these plastic martini glasses um, that you put your player chips in so that it looks like it's filled with drink, basically. And you have, like, barrel of monkey monkeys that mm-hmm. actually hang on the outside of the martini glass, and that's your point trackers. Mm-hmm. And then also all of the cards in the game each have a drink recipe on them as well that Which is, is actually awesome. legit. Yeah, so you could learn some drink recipes by playing this one. You get real drunk real fast playing this game. So the reason... Um, that I didn't back this game on Kickstarter a couple of years ago when they had it up is because I just didn't think that it would play well with two players. Um, area control games can be kind of hit or miss at that player count. I was surprised to see, though, that this one actually works pretty well. Um, one of the things they do in the game, and you do this with three players also, is there's a neutral color that you use for the chips. And at the end of your turn, um, when you're with the two-player game, you draw two more cards, and you have to place those chips, if possible, um, on the numbers that match the cards that you drew, um, extending out from the different staff monkeys that they have around the edge of the board, basically. Mm-hmm. So you can you can use that to your advantage by blocking off your opponent, or you know, kind of cutting off one of their routes as well. So that adds a little bit extra extra layer. To the game, so like I said, I, I think the game worked out pretty well for two. I don't even have to ask you to know 
if you enjoyed it because I think oh, you loved everything for about Pete's it. Pete's sake, really? I wanted to back it and you told me no, you jerk. Well, the good news is we got everything that we would have got anyway with Kickstarter with the copy that we had. So. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came with all the promo cards, stuff like that. Sweet. And, uh, and the playtime's pretty good, too. I think we knocked this out in about 45 minutes. Yeah. First play, so it's, I uh, really loved it. Like it had a really good flow. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel like there was too much downtime. There was the little bit of punch you in the faceness that I like. Oh, to no, have. It's, it's very. It can be very you know? aggressive, especially with the special cards, because you have the cards that you can use to, you yeah, know, knock I, your opponent's chips off this, the board and that kind of this thing. This is perfect for us. Yeah, it was like I said. I, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure how easy this one is to get. Um, but yeah, Swing and Jive Cat Voodoo Lounge. If you can find it, um, I would say pick it up. It's a solid area control game, and it worked uh, fairly well with two players, which which kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Uh, next on the list, uh, recent acquisition from the Cool Stuff order was Onitama. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool little game. And it has an awesome box, too. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy the box. It's very unique. I, I mean, I enjoy the whole presentation of the game. Um, this is the next one in the Dice Towers Essentials line that they've uh, been doing. The first one that they did was Sheriff of Nottingham. Um, I think that a reprint or re-tinkering of Mage Wars was also in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one, this is a Japanese game that uh, that came over to here, um, published by Arcane Wonders. And it's it's... It's it's an abstract game. Um, you have what it's is like it? chess. A little bit. It's it's a what is it? A six by six board or five by five? I can't remember. Uh, f- there's five people. Honey. It's five across. Yes, yeah. so it's five <laughs> five by five. Um, and you have four pawns and a master tile or master token, basically. And you line them up across your end of the board. And during the game, um, before the game starts, there's five movement cards. That are dealt out, and those are the only five cards that are going to be used in the game. There's like sixteen how many are total. To- I was going to say, how yeah, there's many like are there sixteen total? in the box total, and you're going to take turns. Um, each player gets two cards, and there's one card off to the side. So, you, on your turn, you take one of the movement cards, and you can do the movement with one of your pieces that's shown on the card. And the movement basically shows you, all right, if your piece is in this square, you can move to one of these three or four other squares around you, essentially. Um, and then once you do your movement, you take the card that you used, it gets passed to your opponent, and then you take the card that was on the side of the board. So then when it's your opponent's turn, they'll have their two cards that they can play. They'll play one of them. They'll take the card that you left behind and then pass the card that they used to use. So basically, you're cycling these five movement cards throughout each other during the game. So as you go, you know exactly what moves your opponent has available to them, and you also know what moves they'll have available to them after their turn is over. So you can you have to use that to try and plan ahead and to and to think a couple moves ahead to get your opponent to do what you want them to do. Um you can win the game in one of two ways. Oh, and if you land on an opponent's piece you capture it. It's, it's like chess in that respect. Um to win the game you either have to capture your opponent's master or you have to move your master um to their master starting space, which is on the complete opposite side of the board. Um so very, very quick game, very interesting game. Reminded me quite a bit of the Duke for obvious reasons, Mm because you have the, you know, the program movements that you're able to do with the cards. But I like this one a lot. It plays really fast. We We played played two two games games. in about 20 minutes before we came up to record today. Well, it doesn't help that I kind of pooped the bed with this one. Well, on the last one. I just was not paying attention, realized what card you had. 
but yeah, and and the other thing that I really dug about this game is that for a small, tiny little abstract game that only costs twenty bucks, the production values are pretty solid because the playboard the figures are awesome. Yeah, the, you get they this have these plastic figures. Playmat. Yeah, the, like, the playmat, the the board is like like Emily said, a neoprene mat that's rolled up. Awesome. It's got the the nice magnetic box. That it uh, goes in. It's so it's pretty good production. Though it's going to be interesting to find a spot for it on the shelf since it's yeah. square. <laughs> but uh, but I like the game because I love the fact that you're limited to just the five moves that you have during the game. Mm-hmm. So it's it keeps things pretty compact as far as the you know not having to think too hard about it. But it still gives you lots of options to be able to plan ahead and to try to you know manipulate your opponent into doing what what you want them to do essentially and just because of the the quickness with the game i might prefer it a little bit to the duke like i still love the duke and it's not going to replace the duke for me but we can play this game three times the amount of times it takes but to play one game when the duke. we want to really sit down and mess with each other we'll play the duke mm-hmm. what did what did you uh what other stuff do you like about this one uh, or did it's I just, no, succinctly? it's just like it's super simple, mm-hmm. easy to learn, but it's it's like one of those it's easy to learn, hard to master because mm-hmm. obviously we've played three times. I've lost all three times. In fairness, we've played the Duke oh god, at least half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And finally this last time we played like a week or two ago and I finally won. So yeah. Mom, yeah this- Mama's gotta work on this a little bit, work on her strategy. Yeah, this the Oni Tom is a winner though. Um it's it's definitely worth picking up if you like abstracts. And even if you don't, you might still you might still dig on this one because it's not quite as you know devoid of flavor, I guess, as, as most other abstract games tend to be from time to time. Um another one that we picked up from Cool Stuff uh was Thunder and Lightning. This is a retheming of an older game called Hera and Zeus that was part of the Cosmos two-player line, I believe. better because it's Thor and Loki. It is Thor and Loki. <laughs> um, this is a two-player... It's... I wouldn't even call it, call it an asymmetric card game because even though you have two different decks of cards, the cards that are in there are pretty much we the same. We have the same Yeah, the same exact stuff. Um, One player's Thor, as Em said. One player's Loki. Uh, Thor is trying to find Odin's crown, which is hidden somewhere in Loki's deck. Loki is trying to find Odin's ring, which is hidden somewhere in Thor's deck. Um, On your turn, uh, you have this battlefield in front of you that can be three cards across, and uh, up to three cards across, and up to four rows deep. And you're playing cards out to that battlefield, generally face down, um, which are kind of like your soldier's that you have. You have soldiers that have varying different strengths. Um, you also have some special cards. There's uh there's nightmares which kind of blow up all the cards in in yours the and your opponents, right? Role. If, if they get attacked. Um you have shield walls that you can do that can only be defeated by archers, but archers are generally female archers. Well, yes, female archers. It has to be a female archer. But the archers are generally weak against Everybody else, essentially. Yes. Um, you also have these one-shot cards that you can play out of your hand. I kicked your booty with the Frost Giant. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was rolling some stuff. But essentially, you're trying to get your opponent to draw as many cards as possible so that they draw the artifact that you're looking for. And if you can make them disc, if you can find it and make them discard it, then you get to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one a lot because there's a lot of replayability mm-hmm. in the game because you have these 250 card decks. So you really have to be careful how you manage 
the deck, especially once you draw the ring in your hand, because then, or you know, draw the artifact in your hand, because then it becomes vulnerable mm-hmm. to the other player. Um, it also kind of reminded me of not not in the gameplay, but just the part of Netrunner, because you have these car- these Ravens cards that there's a ton of them, and you can actually use the Raven to to randomly search your opponent's hand. Yeah, for that's a card. how I won the game. Yeah, I threw down a Raven, and I. Uh... Went to go grab one car out of his hand, and I grabbed, what was it? Did you have the ring or the crown? Uh, I had the crown. Yeah, I yeah. grabbed it, and I was like... Or the <gasps> ring, I had the ring. I was so. like, <gasps> really? And I was like, ha-ha, I win. He's yep. like, damn it. <laughs> but actually, actually, it reminds me of Netrun in other ways, too, because um, when you play the cards, you're oh, playing them face down. God, here we go with well, no, the I'm Netrunner saying, again. Well, I'm saying you're playing them face down to try to potentially like bluff your opponent or to make them you know second-guess what you have, and you kind of have to... Yeah, but there's no ice in this game, honey. Uh, Only on the frost uh, giant. The shield walls. Uh, ha, ha, the shield ha, ha, walls can uh, can act as your ice there. And the frost giant. <laughs> yeah, but you're you have to you're trying to get your opponent to kind of because the only way you can find out what the card is that's face down is by attacking it or attacking with it. So you're you're trying to maybe bait your opponent in a situation. So there's a lot of guessing and second guessing in this game, which is really neat. Uh, you really took to this one mm-hmm. when we played it the other night. Yeah, jerk face. <laughs> Made me start yelling at you during the game. It's always a good sign. Well, what did you like about it? <sighs> well, I guess if you're going to compare it to Netrunner, then if the, if it helps scratch that itch for you, because I know I was not big into the Netrunner thing, mm-hmm. I can get down with this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it still has that... You know, I, I like trying to fool you into uh, my little traps, mm-hmm. you know, with my, with my cards. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this this is a good one. Um, from- oh, and then after after I won, we checked my deck, and I my artifact was like third card from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I w- I will say if I if I do have one critique potentially of the game, that might too be many it. cards in the deck. Well, not even too many cards, but just through this is one of those games that can be affected through sheer luck. Like if if you happen to have your artifact close to the top of your deck and the your opponent has their artifact close to the bottom of their deck, it's going to be really difficult for you to win because your opponent's going to have so many more opportunities to get at that card. Now, you can still put the ring or, or you know whatever artifact you have, you can still put that down like in your battlefield as like a bluff card and kind of protect it maybe with a shield wall or something like that because that way your opponent... Would have to like dig through the battlefield in order to in order to get to it if they could even figure out that it was there. So there is there's games you can play, but that I, that would be my only criticism is that this one could be one that is really luck dependent sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's that's a minor gripe though because the gameplay was so I much fun. I still don't understand why did we have little tokens? With yeah, they come pictures. with these nice wood screen tokens, one with Thor and one with Loki, and I and to, I can't they, imagine they, serve they exist. No purpose other yeah, they than serve to other purpose cool. just to. Be there, yeah, because the because the decks that you use each have the picture of them on the mm-hmm. back as well, so it's not it's obvious who's who. Whatever, it's a nice little add on in there. So yeah, Thunder and Lightning, um, really solid two player game that uh, that we recommend as well. We had good week so far. You this know week. what's you know what's sad huh. when when I saw Thunder and Lightning, mm-hmm. I immediately thought of Cars because of our son's obsession with Cars. Yeah, yeah. There you <sighs> go. It's terrible. <laughs> this is mom problems here. Mom problems one hundred and one. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, uh, another acquisition. Actually, something this guy across from me has had his eye on for quite a while, and that was Mexico. Yeah, ever since they showed off that reprint uh, that Yellow put out, um, it's it looks really good. Uh, Mexico is 
an area control game as well. It's got these really cool little pyramids and yeah, they're stuff. like they're made of resin. I almost said the bad word. Yeah, right you have there. these uh, you have these cool myself. wooden bridges that you have. Um, <laughs> on in Mexico, there's this big map that you have, and on your turn, you're trying to sep- you're trying to separate this giant island into smaller districts. And you do that by building canals throughout the board. And then once you have your district set, you can also build temples in them. Mm-hmm. So Pyramids, temples, whatever. Yeah, so th- this is an action point game where you have a number of action points you can spend every turn. So on your turn, you're trying to... There's certain size districts that are needed to be constructed that you know of during that the game That are pre-selected round. before right. you start. So you're, you're trying to make those districts. If you, if you form the district, you get to score points. Um, and then at the end of each round, there's two rounds in the game. All of the districts are scored based on who has the most spiritual grandeur in the in the district, and that's done by putting your temples in there. And, and essentially, it's you have temples that range from one to four levels high. Um, each temple is worth the amount of levels that it has. So if you are, you know, if you have a four and a three temple, then you have seven points in the district. And and at the end of the round, it's ranked based on. You know, whoever has the most spiritual points gets these amount of points for this district. Second most gets a smaller amount. Third most gets a smaller amount than that. So you're, tr- it's, you're, tr- you know, you're fighting for dominance. Um, there's also some screwage in this game because you can, when you place stuff on the board, you can use it to block your opponents to make them have to waste time in order to get around the board. Um, so very interesting game. I was actually worried with this one because of the sheer size of the board. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how it was going to work with just the two of us because it's just it was such a big board. But mm-hmm. I don't think we had any problems whatsoever. Oh no! Well, and and this is another one where it helps that they have a neutral third player that you kind of pre-populate the board with some of their temples before the game starts, and that way you actually have a second and third place that you can fight for. And you also have something that you have to build around in the district. So that really also kind of limited the options that you had available to you as well. Um, this is one I'd never heard of until they they issued the reprint. Because when it first came out, I think it was back in like the early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. It's been out of print for a while. Um, but I really liked Mexica. I was, uh, it reminded me a little bit of Medina. Just with how you could, you know, you you could build up this district and then you're like, okay, I think it's safe. And then you run away and then your opponent just slides in there later on and drops a bunch of their temples in to to take control of it away from you. Um, So that that part's pretty neat. Um, And and it worked well with two, I thought, as well. Like I said, this is another game that I wasn't 100 percent sure because area control games generally it's tough with two players sitting there playing this. Was it last night? Mm -hmm. And he's like. I can tell Mama likes it. I said, and how's that? He's like, you're not talking, and I can see your wheels turning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's like you have you have six action points per round, but those action points go pretty quickly. It's it oh, is yeah. very tough to do everything well, like, that you want to do. Temples are one to four, and based on what size temple it is, that's how many action points you have to use. Mm-hmm. But there's also the action where you can take one or two of the yeah, tokens can, to. Build up for yeah, a really can, big you can turn. Sac- for you can extra sacrifice actions. actions on earlier turns to have super large turns later on down the road. But yeah, this this was another another knock it out of the park type of game. Um, Mexico, I I really enjoyed it, um, and it just has it has the right amount of screwage. Yes, for you and I, a lot, yes. of, a lot of screwage in the games we're talking about this week. It's how we like it, though. That, so. It is how we like it. It's how we like it. So, one that we played a couple months ago, but never talked about on the show, and then we played it again recently. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. 
uh, kind of a unique um, worker placement game. So this is one where you're you're both putting on a Shakespearean play, and you're going through and you're hiring actors and you're hiring backstage people like seamstresses and set builders to try and make the best play that you possibly can. Um, the, where the the unique part about this game is that before at the beginning of each of the six rounds, you and your opponents, everyone's going to bid with a number of their action tokens, and the number that you bid is the number of actions that you're allowed to take that round. But the person who bids the fewest number of actions gets to go first. So you have to really weigh out whether or not, okay, like I really need to go first because I really want to make sure that I get this one, you know, this one set design because those are competed for or the costumes or, or certain of the, of the people that you can hire because the, it's it's first come first serve. You have to hire one person per round. And, um, so it really, it really has that back and forth. Like I want to do a lot of actions, but I, I also want to make sure that this I get to. This is actually one that you showed me, and that I was a big advocate. I was like, "Ooh, can we please get this game?" Mm-hmm. And then um, the other cool part is too is that at the end of each round, um, of the people that you used, you have to basically block off all but one of them, so that you can't. Most of the people that you used their actions in one round, you can't use. In a consecutive round, so you really have to make sure when you're using that person that it's going to pay off for you because you might not be able to use them later on. So, and you're just you're just collecting different, like I said, you're collecting the different sets, um, you're collecting the different costumes because when you fill up an actor's costume, it gets you a special ability to use during the dress rehearsals. Um, you're also trying to keep the audience balanced between tragedy and comedy. Um, because there's a bonus for keeping them laughing, but if they're really sad, you actually might lose points as you go along. So a lot of back and forth, um, a pretty quick playing game. I like Shakespeare because it it's a pretty unique worker placement game. It doesn't really fit into any of the other ones that we have, mm-hmm. um, but it's not one that I'm going to rush to bring out all the time, but I'm happy to have it and play it occasionally. What What do you really like about about this one? Because uh, it has sh- stuff to do with Shakespeare. Because <laughs> you know I'm a fan. <laughs> but uh, no, I just uh, I like the like the set building. I like how it speaks to my OCD that you oh, have yeah, to that's build right. symmetrically. Yeah, you have with to build your, your sets. sets symmetrically, or, or you can't play. <laughs> so and and the certain pieces are limited also. Oh, oh, so yeah. you have to you have to pay and attention like, to that as you specifically, go. Specifically, um, there's yellow tiles in the game, and you can only acquire said yellow tiles which are wild um with a specific card mm-hmm. and uh yeah but it's like, like i said it really speaks to my ocd that you have to build symmetrically <laughs> well uh, my my favorite is i liked how the um the special abilities of the actors when you activated them mm-hmm. were thematic mm-hmm. like you had um what was it uh was it Hamlet who whenever you used him you got like a nice bonus but then he made the audience sad mm-hmm. whenever whenever you used him and Puck increased their happiness as they mm-hmm. went and that's and so so that that part was kind of nifty to yeah. see them uh to do that very thematically so yeah Shakespeare it's yeah, a solid I don't pickup. know how much Shakespeare you actually read but not much I I know I I know what I actually you know what most of my experience with Shakespeare has been through Reimagining of Shakespeare plays through modern movies. I was gonna say, you mean like ten things yeah, I like hate about you? Yeah, about you. <laughs> and oh, I watched oh when I was in high oh, school. Oh God, why did you do that so to bad. yourself? It was so bad. Please tell me you went because of a girl. 
No, no, that was just something that I just watched on oh, my own. God, what is wrong with you? I don't know. That movie is terrible, though. Yeah, I wouldn't know. No. <laughs> Very bad. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's Shakespeare. Um, this one's actually a pretty uh affordably priced game too, if I recall. So it's 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 worth picking up. I'd say it's. I don't know. You're the one that buys all the games. I, I just know. give you the credit card and let you go. Well, I'm just I'm just flying off the top of my head. So, <laughs> um, one that I've heard I'd heard about in the past but never picked up um is a two-player game called Babel uh that's actually from Uwe Rosenberg which you would be surprised to know be- if you played it because it doesn't play like anything like any of his other games we've been on a roll with him lately I'm telling you I guess I guess I guess when we first started with him we just found like the three games that we were predisposed to hate <laughs> and then ever since then it's been it's been smooth sailing uh-huh. with Air Rosenberg but uh so Babel is um you are competing to build the grandest temples that you can in the land. Um, so you are on your turn, you're going to have these cards and the cards have different uh, civilizations on them. Um, each of which have, has a potential special ability that you can use. So you have a little building pawn that you move around to these different building sites that are on the board. And when you go there, you can put your workers there, which are the cards and once you have enough workers there, you can start building levels of temple. And the temples, if are, they are available, if they're available, because yeah, you're each you and your opponent both have this like stack of temple tiles that you draw, um, and you can only take from the top of those stacks. So if the, you know, if the levels, and you have to build sequentially. Um, so if you unless one of the cards, well, that's you not. that's the key. So, and you're so you're trying to build these temples, but. The cards that you put down, the workers typically don't matter unless you put three of the same worker in a row at the building site. And because they all have a special, dif- a different special ability. Yeah. So like one of them lets you skip levels when you're building temples. One, one of them, them lets you steal temple mm-hmm. levels from your opponent. Yeah. One of them you can like des- make your opponent's workers at the same building site desert them and join you. Basically. And one you can. What was the other? Oh, you can destroy. Yeah. I don't. Temples. I don't remember all of them, but but there's a lot of different special abilities that you can do. So it's a very um, back and forth affair as you're both competing. In order to you know get as much temple temples as you can, build them as high, and to reach a certain number of victory points before your opponent does. Um, this one also has kind of a unique scoring system where, when one player gets to fifteen points, if he's winning the game by a wide margin, the game ends. But if the opponent is close, then you start playing again until one point one person either gets above twenty points or one person gets below nine or gets to nine or below. Because like I'm said, you can actually mess with your opponent's temples as well. Mm-hmm. I always avoided this one because I heard it was like uber complex for a two player game. It really wasn't. Like it was no, totally it fine. Wasn't, it wasn't at all. It was actually really simple. And really fun. Like I it's <laughs> my only problem is I'm predisposed to thinking that colors have to go with same colors. Yeah, the old yeah, all, all of the each <laughs> so different I kept faction trying to put my people with the same That color that part is like, a little honey, misleading. You don't have to do that. Well, cuz each so each faction has a specific color. The only reason the colors matter is because you have to play a card to get that to corresponds that of a certain color to move your pawn to a certain building site basically. That's that part I think they could have Maybe illustrated a little bit better, yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah, Babel's really good. I'm really sorry for those of you out there that listen to the show that might base some of your purchases off of our recommendations because we're recommending too many games this week because <laughs> everything's <laughs> everything's been really good so far. I don't know. It's like I said, just just a good run of uh, of games that we found. Uh, can I tell you our current plight uh, to our listeners out there? 
We were sitting here the other evening, and we have so many games that have come in. We are out of room of our two ginormous shelves that we have. Or, sorry, three shelves that we have. Only one of those shelves is ginormous. The other ones are regular size. Whatever. I would say. Our collection is ginormous. Anyway, so we are now trolling Ikea for more storage solutions. Mm -hmm. And I had to rearrange my kitchen to accommodate said storage solutions. (laughs) I have to get rid of my beloved sideboard that held my extra serving dishes and all my pots and pans and odds and ends and i have to give that up so that we have more room for games (laughs) maybe maybe not we'll see if we can figure out an alternate solution that that is always the struggle is when you run out of space the struggle is real it's super real with this one so but yeah but babble solid check it out if you get a chance another another two player from z-man uh so is thunder and lightning as well by the way um last but not least we've got a chance now to play a couple uh, quests in the Beyond the Grave expansion for Arcadia Quest. Kicking arse. I I'm su- I was pleasantly surprised at this one because I expected more of the same, and it is more of the same. I mean, the yeah, the basic but this stuff, one really kicks you in the teeth. Yeah, this one there's a lot more, lot more dying yeah. going on. So a couple changes they made from the um, <laughs> there was a lot of dying. Last there was a lot night. of dying last night. <laughs> um, couple changes they made t- from the basic Arcadia quests. First of all, they have these tombstone cards. Um, which go down on the board before the game starts. When you go over one, you can collect it. It's it's your option. Usually they're good. Um, sometimes they are bad. So they were good for me last. They night. were most most of it is you can usually um force a monster another monster to attack one of your opponents. No, no, I got one last night. It says every. Every person with a death token, every every opponent's hero with dead. a death token yeah. gets another death token. He's like. That's mean. Yeah, I have a feeling this one we're gonna have to carry a lot more of those death curses a lot more often throughout the game. Um, in fairness, I died three times myself. Yes, you did. A um, lot of new weapons, of course, in this one that you oh, can yeah. find that gets that are themed with like the undead style. All the monsters are a little bit tougher, I think, than mm-hmm. most of the monsters from the base game. Um, you also have Man, ghosts. Them, them ghosts were bears last night. Yeah, the, you have ghosts who can actually attack you and also guard react you through walls. As well, so you have to watch out for that. Um, but still, a lot of a lot of fun. You know, the same kind of crazy mayhem that you normally get with Arcadia Quest. This is definitely, I'd say, our favorite um, dungeon crawly type of game. Mm-hmm. This and this and Black Plague are pretty close, but I'd give the nod to this and one. Mama probably. finally learned how to play because she's been yeah, kicking she, daddy's I've, booty. I've been I've been getting waylaid so far in yeah. this campaign. Like like M's finishing finishing the quests like I, when I barely even got one objective done. Well, if la- that last night I said, did you even finish one objective? Yes, I finished one objective, jerk. <laughs> I got one. I got one. <laughs> I got one, Mama. <laughs> yeah, so, this, so it's been pretty good so far. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to to continuing on with that. Um, and yeah, if if you've played Arcade Quest, if you were on the fence about this <laughs> expansion, yeah, definitely pick it up. It's uh, it's it's solid. Give you another campaign to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of cool, new, lot more cool new miniatures. Um, yes, really, really good game. Uh, we've really enjoyed it so far. So that is what we've been playing. That's new. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna start talking about four X style games and how they usually uh, sift out with two players. So stick around a second. So since since we've really started getting into like meteor games, I've been trying to find the perfect 4X style game slash civilization style game that works really well with two players. 
Um, the genre of 4X games generally doesn't lend itself well to two players. Um, they usually require that you have more people um, just for, you know, whatever reason. But we found a few um, that we've we've played quite a few with two players, and we found a couple that work pretty well. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into four X a little bit um, and talk about what uh, what that stuff does well with two players. So for those of you that don't know what four X style games are, four um, X is a kind of a genre of game. Normally, you find them in like epic style games or civilization style games. Um, the four X's stand for explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. So with explore, obviously you're discovering new areas on the map. Um, you're expanding your civilization or your empire. You're exploiting your resources and your technology that you, that you gain and you're trying to exterminate, uh, all of your opposition. So those, those are usually the four hallmarks of those type of games. Um, so let's let's kind of dig into this. So we've played we've played a few, um, and we'll and we'll bring examples of those up as we go. Um, but what aspects of four X games do you think usually work pretty well when you only have two players? Uh, we need smaller maps. The, uh, well, th- this is a huge one. So there's a couple games that do this well. Um, Clash of Cultures map expands based on how many players there are. So the two player map is a little bit smaller. Um, Empires of the Void does the same thing where the map is kind of tight to begin with. And it's even smaller when there's only two. Um, that's a great example of it. Hyperborea, I think does this one the best. Beca- yeah. Cause you just have the set number of hexes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's very tight, very constricted. And Hyperborea is kind of like a fringe case. Of a four X game, I mean, yeah, I don't. But I like Hyperborea. Oh, it's a great a game. Lot. I I think more people would lump that into like the Euro class than the four X class, just because of the bag building and stuff like that. But I I I I consider it like a borderline four X game. Yeah, I think it's a hybrid. Yeah, the small the small maps work well. Um, a couple games that don't do the maps very well, uh, Eclipse and Rune Wars oh, were the two biggest violators. Um, I remember with those two games. I don't think that we even sniffed each other until like at least halfway, if not further on. No, Rune Wars. Through the it game. wasn't up until the freaking end. Yeah, that we started when battling I had one you another. On the ropes, and you didn't even realize I had you on the ropes. Mm-hmm. But I and I find like, and that's why in those type of games with more players, it's going to be a little bit better because you have more people that are generally around you. I think Eclipse was the absolute worst with it because the size of the map in Eclipse. Is exactly the same, pretty much, no matter how many players you're playing yeah, with. Yeah, we because, didn't even get close to each other. Yeah, because you, in Eclipse, you expand the map as the game goes along. It's not something that's pre-built, so it's kind of up to the players. And I remember you were so excited to play that game because I, I finally, because I finally said, "Okay, honey, I'll play it." And you're so excited, then you were just so disappointed. Yeah, it's it's so that that one I think is definitely. A, a one you definitely Listen, want to make sure. If we had a gaming group of like heavy mm-hmm. gamers, then yeah, maybe we could have that in our collection. But it's just not, not in the stars, as it were. Well, and the other, and the next thing for me that I want to talk about is um, games that have a reasonable playtime with two players. Because oh yeah, that's I mean that's why Rune Wars didn't make the cut because it took us five hours to play 
that first game, and that's oh, yeah. just not something and we I can was do. Real irritated, real quick. Well, and it's and it's one thing for it to be like this five hour epic, you know, if if there's a lot going on in the game, and there is a lot going on in Rune Wars, but it just felt kind of boring because, like like I said, we didn't really interact with each other a whole lot until much later in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Hyperborea, I think, does really well here. Again, um, usually Man, about... Man, that last game of Hyperborea, I was just punching you in the face left and right. But I'm saying, but like 60, 90 minutes, usually, yeah. for Hyperborea. That seems to be our sweet spot with most games. Yeah. Dep- not, not just, you know, specific types. That's just most games, our sweet spots between yeah. 60 to 90. Empires of the Void. Especially the meteor ones. Yeah, em- Empires of the Void takes up to like two hours. That, But that's, that's perfectly okay as well because there's a lot... Like you feel like yeah, the game moves really well. Yeah, but you feel like it takes right, you right, two right. hours when you're playing it. See, that's the problem. That's that's a downfall. If it feels like it's taken forever, mm. then it's that's not good for me. Yep. Like I said, I like the ones where the flow is nice and there's not a lot of downtime, and you don't feel like it's taking you as long as it is. Okay. What's uh What's next on the list here? Uh no. Oh, uh, a neutral player. For think, opposition's sake. I think you have to, you must, must have that. Yes. Um, Agreed. Again, Eclipse actually does this really well, where you have the um, the ancient factions that are printed on the tiles that you can fight before you get to your opponent, um, so that you can actually gain some, you know, some progress that way. Um, Empires of the Void also has where you have a third third player that's controlling a couple of the planets further out on the board that you can get to as well. Um, Rune Wars, I did, I did like how Rune Wars did, that's the one thing I really did like about Rune Wars is that you have those neutral. To be honest, I don't remember that much about Rune Wars. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but remember in Rune Wars, you had the neutral, um, like monsters on the map that you could either fight or you could attempt to recruit them mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Um, so that part of it was pretty cool. But yeah, I think you have to have something in there to, um, to have to do because especially if you're going to keep the players away from each other until they can build up their their factions a little bit you have to have something to kind of break up the monotony of just building and developing and all that stuff as well um i think that the area where two-player 4x games suffer the most um is games that have like politics or diplomacy options or negotiation options because Obviously, if you're only playing with another I, player, yeah, and I'm not going to form a pact with you. Well, if you're, I'm trying you're to not. Punch I mean, face. like like an eclipse, for example. Um, you you don't even use the friendship rules when or you're playing. Not a pact and alliance. Yeah, you don't even use the the negotiation rules if you're playing with two or three players because otherwise, you know, two players are never going to partner, and three players, you know, then you'd have a gang up problem where right, one right, player, right, you know, right, they right. just pick on one person. Um, so yeah, eclipse does that. Exodus is also a game. Um, that does the negotiation thing because of the politics that are in the game, um, which we'll talk about in two seconds here. Um, but a couple games that, like, we talked about the neutral factions in Rune Wars that instead of fighting them, you can actually recruit them. And recruiting them is difficult, but if you're successful, then you can have them join your army. Empires of the Void has my favorite instance of this, where you can actually, so when you go to a new planet, you can either conquer them by force. And if you conquer them by force, the planet will give you victory points. And it'll give you money, but they're not going to share their special technology with you. And there's and you don't get their influence at the Galactic Senate, which is something that at the end of the scoring rounds is important. Um, but you can instead try to send a diplomat to 
create an alliance with them. And, and that is much more difficult to do. But if you do it, then now you have a special technology that only you are allowed to use. Um, they help you influence people at the Senate. And it's a really cool way to kind of have that negotiation factor in the game. But it still works well with two players because that because that way you're not forcing two players to potentially align with each other in any way, shape, or form. So I, yeah, I think that's I'm terrific. I'm sorry, but that'll never happen. When you're competing against mm-hmm. someone, why am I going to make an alliance with you? No. Yeah, and, and then and then the other thing that I think does not work as well in these type of games um, is anytime you have any kind of like politics or voting in, in a two-player game of these styles, um, Exodus, one of the cool things about the game is they have these potential laws that you can pass between each round. Um, but when two players are voting, it becomes kind of the zero-sum game, and that kind of defeats sort of the purpose, because part of having this politics is that you can negotiate with other players, like, hey, if you pass this law, I'll lay off you in this you know sector of the board, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it just does and obviously, you cannot do that at all. No, not with, with two, two players. Um, Rune Wars did and didn't do this. Like they had the, these like influence votes that would happen occasionally where, Sometimes it was a benefit for only one player or the other, and sometimes it was just, hey, every player that bids a certain amount gets a bonus. Um, but yeah, the, any any like politics or voting or anything like of that nature um, doesn't really fly in those two player style of games. So, is there anything else that you can think of? I think I covered everything that I can think of off the top of my head. No, I think I think that pretty much covers it. You know, good mm. and bad. Right, as far as far as just the two player. Now obviously like you know it's very difficult to find one that works well with two people. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Yeah, and, and which is like which is a shame because the thing I love the most about those games, especially, is like the different technology trees that norm that exist in them that give you a lot of flexibility. I love the one for Clash of Cultures. Yeah, the, the, the Clash of Cultures one is amazing because you, you, you can go this, so many like, different directions. You have this whole board in front of you and it has the little marker next to each one, so you can actually just put your little cube in there to mark which one you have instead mm-hmm. of having like nine million cards or whatever in front of you. I really, really, really like that. Well, I just I just love that one because you can go in so many different different directions with that one like it's it like it's completely like it's almost overwhelming when you first sit down in front of it yeah um to do that like in empires of the void it's a little bit more of a guided path because there are only certain options available to you from the get-go um eclipse did the same thing because that one had the randomly drawn technologies as you went along um but yeah just it's just the problem with these that the game these type of games typically are built from three to six players usually to be at their best and really four to six players to be at their best. So it's, it's a really, it's a really talented thing um, to be able to design one that works well, which is two players going head to head and still tick off all the boxes that we're looking for. And you, and some of you guys might not agree with the stuff that we look for in these games to work well with two players, but I mean, over our experience playing them, generally we found this is the stuff that works well. So before we give you our our big our recommendation for what games that you should check out uh, that are 4X style if you have two players, um, I just wanted to mention two that are a little quirky um, that we one of them we like a lot. One of them I enjoyed, but you not as much, even though you said you're willing to give it another chance. I told you I'll give it another go. So Quantum... Though not a 4X game, and one could even argue is somewhat of an abstract game, um, has some 4X, yeah, very much an abstract game, (laughs) has some, has some 4X style 
mechanics in the game a little bit because you are expanding, you're getting new technologies, you're trying to to blow up your opponent yeah. as you go. Different spin on it, um, but it's a really... It's a really awesome little game. Really awesome game. So yeah, definitely check that out if you're looking for that sort of vibe, but in, in a more abstracted feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Impulse also is very abstracted, I'd say. Very, very different type of game. Again, has sort of that 4X feel, um, it, but if you take a 4X game and smash it together with like Glory to Rome or Matainai, because you have those action cards that you're getting that lets you perform different actions on your turn. And that's a, that's a unique way to do it as well. So those are two sort of off-the-board ones that you can check out. Um, so as far as recommending games, 4X-style games to play with two players, there really is only one <laughs> that I would give a recommendation to. Um, so we've played a bunch. We've played Eclipse. That didn't really jive with us. Exus Proxima Centauri didn't do it for us. Clash of Cultures we enjoyed, but we liked other Civilization games that we had better. Um, so that one, I would say, is a pass unless you can play it with four players more frequently. Um, the only one that I would feel comfortable recommending, and I think you would agree, yes, Empires of the Void. Empires of the Void from from Red Raven Red Raven Games. Um, this one I love because it does have that smaller map. Um, it has those random events that I also enjoy that often happen in these type of games that you have to kind of, you know, be prepared for as you go. Um, I love the diplomacy solution, which, which I talked about earlier in the show. And then I love how there's a ton of different factions oh, yeah. in the game as well that can, that all have a play differently. Well, yeah. And they all have their own, each one has their own little special ability and special little thingamajiggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what else do you really like about Empire's Void? I know it's been a little bit since we played it. It so. has been a long time since we played it. No, it was just it was uh, uh, as opposed to I guess like Eclipse and everything, I wasn't as overwhelmed mm-hmm. when I first started playing this. Like I kind of, it didn't take me as long to kind of get into it and, and kind of really understand it. Mm-hmm. Where like a lot of the other ones, I feel really overwhelmed because there's just so much. Of, like Clash Cultures, like you said, you look at that the technology tree and you're just like, <laughs> oh my Jesus, what is what is this? Well, and, and another thing that Empires of the Void I think does well is that it it really pairs down the actions that are available to you. Like, it keeps it really simple. Like, that's the other thing with Clash of Cultures, is there are so many different actions. Acron- acronyms. KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, there's so many different actions that you can do on your turn, and explaining all of them <clears throat> to your to you know, to understand it for new players is a bit daunting. I remember it took us a while to really get rolling. How about you drink some water? Drink you some sound water like you're, you're, like, uh, dying over there. Um, the other cool thing about Empires of the Void is that it actually has a, well, the first edition has a free expansion that you can just print out and use, which I would highly recommend um, because it really simplifies the rules of the game. Um, it adds a bunch of extra factions to the game, and it's just a really solid uh, solid addition to the game. Now, the downside is we're recommending Empires of the Void. However, it's been out of print for a while. And it's kind of difficult to find, and you kind of, and you have to pay pretty much MSRP for it at this point to find it. It's like sixty bucks basically wherever you find it. But that being said, um, Ryan Lockett, who's the designer and also the artist and the writer and the owner of Red Raven Games, the guy does all of his own stuff for his games. Um, 
has said that he plans on, I think sometime later this year, um, kickstarting a revised second edition of the game with all new arts. I'm assuming he's going to incorporate the rules from the expansion into the mix it well as well and probably clean up the game a little bit, maybe add some more stuff to it. And all I hear as he says this is cha-ching, cha-ching, my wallet's going to hurt because he's going to want to back it. Absolutely. It's going to be great. So uh, so maybe you might want to hold out for that one as well um, as it's coming down the road. And I also wanted to mention a couple of games that are 4X style that we haven't played um, that I've heard good things about that may work well for two. Um, two of them are GMT games. Uh, one of them is Dominant Species, uh, which I've heard is a really heavy um, civilization kind of building game. And then Space Empires 4X, which I've actually heard is one of the better two-player games. Um, but I just have never gotten around to really giving it a look or checking it out. So maybe that might be one that down the road that we look at. And then Sid Meier's Civilization um, from FFG. I'm not sure how well it plays with two, but it's pretty highly ranked on BGG. Um, another one that's just eluded my grasp and we haven't gotten to check it out yet. But maybe you might want to look at those as well. So, yeah, that is 4X style games. Um, we have played a bunch of them so that you don't have to, <laughs> hopefully, with just two players. Um yeah, give Empires the Void a look. I, I of all the ones we've played, and we've played like eight or nine, um, it definitely balances the two player game best of them all for sure. So that's it for us this week. Um, just a reminder, you can find us uh at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tabletop for Two. We are also an affiliate of the Nerdpocalypse, or sorry, the TNP, TNP Studios, Studios Network. They just rebranded everything. Um, TNP Studios Network, so make sure to check out all the other great shows there as well, uh, including the Nerdpocalypse, Dense Pixels, Black on Black Cinema, and the, and Mouthful of Toast. And if you go to the nerdpocalypse.com slash premium, you can check out our premium offerings as well. It's just $5 a month or $50 a year for those. Uh, that gets you episodes of the airing of grievances, look forward, uh, no time to bleed, and the men with the golden tongue so please give that a look check it out i know look forward um actually there's preview episodes of all the different shows in the main nerdpocalypse feed as well so definitely give those a look see um yeah that's all we got for this week so uh thanks again for listening uh we've been doing this for a little over a year now really? actually yeah, if you can believe it time flies well i feel a lot more comfortable now yeah then when you first started. I, I was I was very nervous when we first started out and mm -hmm. I told you I've listened to a couple shows and I swear to God I have a lisp when I'm listening to it but I think I'm just being really nitpicky on myself mm -hmm. I still am a little self-conscious about things but I feel like I'm doing every, better every everyone that's that's <laughs> that's talked to us about the show said that you do awesome on there so don't worry about uh, well, it thank you thank it. you people because I I am. I'm very self-conscious yeah. about this kind of stuff. Yeah, so so those of you guys that are listening, um, uh, thank you very much for, you know, listening to us over the course of this first year. We're glad that you're enjoying the show. Um, and hey, if you could do us a big favor, tell some of your friends about it that are board game players, especially if they're two-player board game players, uh, just to get the word out there a little bit. Um, if you haven't rated the show on iTunes yet, please do. That helps us. Uh, if you use iTunes, that helps us get a little bit more visibility on there. And that'd be really awesome if you could uh, just take a couple seconds out of your day to do that for us. So that is all. Um, we will talk to you guys again in another couple of weeks. Until then, see ya. Bye.